We go through our lives not exactly being the people we want to be. Instead, we become a figment of what others want us to be. And that's got to stop. Welcome to Rediscovering the Magic of Being with your host, Marja. Realize the gifts and capacities that are within you and start living the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's Marja. Welcome. It's so great having you all here today. You're listening to Rediscovering the Magic of Being. I'm your host, Marja. Make sure to go to marjarr.com to explore the services I offer and further information. You may also email me at radio at marjarr.com or contact me on Facebook at Resonance Repattering with Marja. My guest today is Jill Lee. You know, in our conversations, Jill, I never did ask, how do I pronounce your last name? Is that correct? <laughs> yes, it is correct. Jill Lee. Oh, okay. I want to give people your contact information. So her website is energyhealinginstitute.org, or you can email her at jill at energyhealinginstitute.org. So our topic today is, I know a lot of people, you hear this all the time when people tell you to become present. How many of you actually know what that means or what that feels like? That's what we're going to start exploring today is how to identify when you're being present in your life and also how to shift it so you can become present in your life. In fact, Jill offers a course. It's her very first course on her website and it's for free. It's called The Power of Presence. So that's also a good way to start. But we're going to talk about other other ways that we can go that what would you what would your definition of being present uh, be Jill well Marja I think of it in a lot of different ways but but one of the main things is to be sort of grounded in current time you know sometimes we're in our interactions with people and we're reflecting on the conversation with the, we had with them last week or the conversation we have to have with them next week. And instead of being in the moment and interacting in real time, we're in some other place and we're bringing that energy from that other place into the interaction. So if you and I had an argument last week, but that argument is over, but I haven't quite cleared out the, my residual um you know, uh, feelings about that interaction, then I might be bringing those feelings from last week into today's conversation. And that's not productive. It's not useful. So that's one of the ways I think about being present. And it's it's a skill. It's not really something that we necessarily are taught. It's something that we have to learn and, and, begin to understand that we're in control of where we are in space and time. I really like that definition because we really are. And when you talk about the way we're taught, most of us are taught to worry about the future. Yes. Or to stay stuck in the past. Yes. Or both. Or both. (laughs) Yes. And the examples that we have in the adults in our life are of exactly that. So that's one of the things that we want to talk about today is how can we bring ourselves to the present moment? I know I do a process called resonance repatterning, and in that we learn lots of different healing modalities. And a quick and easy way in the moment, if you don't 
um, have any time to do anything else or you haven't learned anything else, this is something you can do right now, right today, is tap your thymus. Now, your thymus is about two inches down from where your collarbone meets. And just tap it slowly. And it helps center you in your heart and also helps bring you back to your body, so to speak, so you're in present time. It also is supposed to be helpful for the immune system. However, you'll see people with necklaces that they will, when they're nervous, they will play with them and they're hitting this area. It's like they instinctively go to this area and it can help bring them front and center. Now, there's ways to learn, and I'll have Jill uh, talk about some of those, that once you learn them and they become habits, they could also help you be where you don't even have those moments that often anymore. So, Jill, what would you like to share about that part? Yeah, there's a couple of things that I've uh, I've been doing energy work since 1991, which I think makes me almost as old as dirt. Not quite old as dirt. But one of the things, yeah, almost. One of the things I first learned was about how disconnected our bodies are from the earth. And one of the ways that we can reattach our, our reconnect to the earth is through our feet chakras. And so chakras are round balls of energy and they metabolize energy that we use in our bodies to do our lives. Whatever we're doing, we use energy to do it. And these chakras that are in the, in the uh, arches of the feet have openings that point down to the earth. And when we disconnect, we actually close our feet chakras. So we cut off our energy connection to the earth. And then it's very difficult to know what moment you're in, much less that it's the present moment. So if we can think about those those feet chakras having vegetable steamers that point down to the earth, and we can open up those vegetable steamers, with, and essentially I'm really talking about the petals of the chakra, because all chakras have petals. If we can, If we can imagine opening the petals of the chakras so that our energy streams down to the earth and and the earth's energy streams up to our feet, then we're going to be in connection and we can find what moment it is. And of course, we'll discover that it's the moment of now. So that's one really good um, practice that I learned so long ago now. And it was the difference for me in starting to get connected into my life and being able to feel like I had some semblance of control. I felt like I was at the whim of everything that was going on around me rather than being the creator of my experience. And as I learned the feet chakras, that began to shift. It's an incredibly powerful skill. So I think if you were tapping the thymus and opening your feet chakras, you'd probably have a really nice head-to-toe connection going on. Oh, yeah. In fact, that's pretty amazing. I'm going to have to give that that a try <laughs> because I hadn't thought about combining the two of them. So that's, that is definitely, that would be powerful. The other thing that might be powerful, if you happen to be out in nature, when you're opening up your feet chakras or you can step out into nature and you happen to be near a tree, Bubba 
one of the guests on my shows a, a couple of different times. He talks about the power of con- touching a tree and connecting with trees. In fact, there's been some studies with the trees actually communicate. But you can open up your feet chakra too as you touch the tree. And I know I've been kind of playing with this idea because when I first said it, I went, really, is it all that powerful? And it is when you connect to trees. It's amazing. I think it's because you're connecting to nature, which is what the feet, opening up the feet chakra does is it connects you to earth. Anything that connects you to the earth is um, something that does bring you powerful. But I'm definitely going to have to do the thymus and opening up the feet chakras and see what changes and what shifts from there because that sounds like it would be powerful. Yeah, I generally recommend that people open their feet chakras to about 60% open so mm-hmm. that they don't get sort of bogged down. The Earth's energy is it, its a pretty big field of energy, and we want to be connected into it, but we don't want to be stuck, right? And right. so so about 60% open is a, is a really good plan. And I was thinking about what you were saying about the uh, connecting to trees. I have a student... Um, who is a wonderful practitioner and she walks to work every day on a, on a wooded path. And there's a tree that she sees along the way that is, is just apparently a beautiful tree. And she stops and she puts her hands on the tree and she sort of connects into the tree and into herself and into the earth. And then she continues her walk to her office. And I just think that's the most beautiful way to prepare to be in a client practice for the day through that kind of a connection. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. And not only that, but it makes sure that she's really present for her, her clients, the people that she's seen. Yes. I know that years ago when I first started stepping into energy work, it was tools like that that really made it possible because all of us, I don't care who you are, um, have days that aren't as good as other days. Mm. And when I, before I learned some of the things that I know now, there would have been lots of days that I would not have been helpful at all to working with people. Mm. However, using tools like this, using tools like the thymus tap, learning how to shift and change my energy made it so I could actually be present. And it sounds like what she does definitely prepares her to be present with her client, no matter how she starts out the day. Yes, completely. Completely. You know, I've also found that that I, I have a, um, a, a skill that I call noticing your narrative. Mm-hmm. And so there's a way in which we can be present to ourselves by observing what we're thinking. So we're thinking and we're noticing what we think, you know. Right. And so when we can notice our narrative, we can start to see whether we're in the here and now or are we worried about something next week or next month or next year? And are we perseverating on something that hasn't even happened? You know, there's there's lots of things that can occur between now and whatever has to happen next week that could facilitate whatever needs to happen next week going smoothly. And so when we're noticing our narrative, we can bring ourselves back to the here and now. I have sat in conversations with people where I've noticed I've left the conversation and they something has been said and I've gone off and started thinking about something else rather than being in the conversation. 
And if I can observe myself and notice that I'm doing that, then I can come back very quickly and be part of the conversation once again. So there is a way in which we can start to intentionally notice whether or not we're present to the to the moment and then take actions. Sometimes we don't even know we've left. So I, I think that's another thing to be considering. We're all so busy. There's so much going on. We have things coming in from all kinds of different places, you know, the phone and email and social media and et cetera. And the distraction factor is pretty high. And yet we want to be in our lives and creating our lives in a powerful way. We have to notice where we are to be able to to make those changes. Well, I think when we notice, it helps us just become more aware of, of things because it's when we don't notice that we fall into those habits or we don't realize what we're doing. The other thing that you might notice when you're in a conversation is how many times are you in a conversation that you're actually thinking of a reply instead of listening? Yes. Yes. And yes. so I know... Um, one of the things I think they teach a lot of therapists and at, at the beginning and they teach with that is you can also start practicing of, of paraphrasing. How would you paraphrase or how would you say what that person just said to you? Because that sometimes can also help bring you in because you have to listen to be able to say it back. Yes. Yeah. I always found that that paraphrasing, uh, skill was a useful one, certainly in client sessions, but also in my relationships. Right. Yeah. Really important skill. Well, and it is, and it's just something you can practice. Like you can practice with the intent of being able to say, I think this is what you said. Correct me if I got something wrong or if if it's incorrect. And that's part of the reason that most therapists, when they're really good, are really great listeners mm-hmm. because they've learned that skill. Sometimes all it is for a lot of these things is just learning the skill that helps bring you more because we're not taught these things. These are not things that are second nature to any of us. And that's why we have to learn along the way what works for us. And so what I would suggest is that's another way that you could start practicing being present in your conversation, um, definitely do some of the other things. And do you have anything else on that topic as far as noticing where you are? You know, I, I think the other thing that has been useful to me over time is to, to understand that the power of the pause can be a resource to regrouping and coming back into current time. And so taking that moment to stop rather than running forward and trying to catch up, actually slowing down and stopping and reconnecting into the moment is a pretty powerful way to to see where you are. Yeah, it's almost like a lot of us don't know what to do with a pause or silence or the moment of that because we do think we have to charge forward or we have to fill in that pause instead of really kind of taking the moment to enjoy the pause and to just kind of, in a sense, for me, I would say kind of fill with the energy and see where to go next. 
But I know and a lot of times when people are in conversations, a lot of people, a pause makes them really uncomfortable instead of realizing that maybe um, you're both just thinking on something. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Or maybe you're also switching gears. Like, okay, you're done with that topic. Yes. You know? So there's nothing more to say on that. So why fill in the blank? Exactly. You know? So anyway, uh, I would like to kind of review what we've just done because we're going to be coming up on a break shortly. And just to remind people that one of the things you can do is open up your feet chakra like Jill suggested. And of course, you can always replay the first part of that on how she suggested it to about 60%. You can tap your thymus. You can actually um, go and touch a tree. The other thing that I've been told real quick that you can do is wherever you're at, you can start really noticing your surroundings. Also, if you've done all those things and you feel like you're still not back in it totally, or you're just, you forgot to do those things and you're in a moment where you're in a room, look at what's on the wall. Look at, you know, name the colors, name everything you see in the room. That's another way of bringing you more present instead of out in the future or back in the past. So I've learned that that one can be very helpful also. So anyway, it looks like we're coming up on a break and we will see you on the other side of two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In the new book, The Lightness of Choosing You, international best-selling authors write about the journey to knowing self, trusting oneself, and making choices that alter reality as we know it. What happens when you choose fresh starting today? Marja has been featured as one of the contributors. She invites you to visit MarjaRR.com. For a link to obtain your own copy of The Likeness of Choosing You. The book is also available through Amazon and other online bookstores and retailers. Pick up your copy and make new choices in alignment with you. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Are you ready to tackle the rules of business? You may think you're doing everything by the book, following your own best practice beliefs, bringing in endless consultants, only to find that your business is not moving forward. That's where you need to stop and figure out where things are going wrong. Enter Business Rules with host Peter Feinstein. Peter and his guests will break it all down for you to help you and your business succeed. Listen Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. 
Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration that opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time with award-winning authors Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the Empowerment Channel. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to Rediscovering the Magic of Being. And we're back. We really do enjoy and uh, encourage, I should say not enjoy, that was an interesting choice, encourage any listeners to call in uh, with any questions they might have. Uh, It would be really nice to be able to answer them on air. Or you may also email any questions to radio at marjarr.com. And in this segment, we're going to start it out with uh, Jill is going to share a grounding. Is it a technique? Is that what you yes, call it? It's, a, it's an exercise or a skill okay. for, for getting your body more deeply anchored into the earth. The I started out talking a little bit about the feet chakras and how we can disconnect from, from source energy of the earth by closing down those feet chakras. Once they're opened up, we can connect in again. We'll have an organic energy flow. You you know, Marja, and most of us know that if I throw an apple up in the air, it's going to come back down because yeah. gravity is a force. And so, so when our feet chakras are closed, we're actually defying gravity. We're pushing our energy up in our body. And, and, when we open them, then we reestablish that gravitational pull. When we ground our energy, we can we can bring our bodies into the moment of now in a really powerful way. And grounding begins in in the skill that I offer my students and interested learners, clients and interested learners. It starts in the first chakra that is between the ovaries and women and at the base of the spine for men. And we create a ball of energy that is as wide as our hips. And that ball of energy is is a bright green color. It's like the inside of a kiwi. And we allow that ball to drop and gravity takes over and that energy ball forms a cord that goes all the way down to the center of the earth. And when I learned that, I had learned tree grounding, you you know, thinking of the roots and the branches reaching up to the sky and the roots moving down into the earth. And it held me at a certain level. But I also noticed that, you know, I lived in Maine at the time. We'd have these big storms and trees would be pretty easily uprooted in the wind. And when I ground all the way down into the center of the earth, I feel like I am completely held by the earth and yet I have all the fluidity I need to move and do whatever my life calls for. So that's a that's a grounding skill that I offer and I, I was 
thinking on the break that, you know, tapping the thymus and then opening the feet chakras and grounding, you could do all of that in under a minute and completely reset your energy field for showing up in the here and now. Oh, and I love that because it's simple. It's easy. All three of those things are simple, easy things you can do. Just practice and it's not going to take a, lot, a large part of your time. However, it will require you setting down your phone or being away from a computer for just a minute. <laughs> yes, exactly. But you've got to get up from your computer every, every couple of hours anyway. <laughs> right. And and it's good to disconnect every once in a while. Anyway, I think that's one of the things that I've been enjoying of uh, getting out and really being more aware of being out in nature. Because where I live, there's not a lot of things that actually grow. It's more desert landscape. So it's not like living in uh, a place where there's lots of choices in trees. There's lots of choices to be out in nature. Mm -hmm. So I have to be a little bit more deliberate. Mm -hmm. about getting out there but I know that since I've been making that choice and doing things that ground me like that I'm going to add in your suggestions here too uh my life it just goes better yeah yeah I find that I have to get outside and walk around and disconnect from the technology I run an online business and you're online a lot I know and And just have to walk away from that to have a sense of of there being a a more connected life. Um, We have all this amazing connection through technology and we can talk to people and interact with people all around the world. And yet, you know, being outside and saying hello to a neighbor as I walk by is also a very important piece of connection. And of course, being outside and seeing a neighbor coming down the street and saying, how are you today, is absolutely a moment of presence if you can bring yourself fully there to that, to that very brief interaction. So I, I love, I love the, the outdoor connection, the being able to, to plant in the earth. Well, I do too. And in fact, that's interesting what you said about a neighbor. Because recently, we had a neighbor that moved for a while, but they're, they still had their house here. And due to circumstances, they're back. And this was the neighbor that I was the most connected with. And it's amazing how walking outside and seeing somebody that you have a connection. Because oftentimes when you do a lot of stuff, I mean, when you do things online, when you do things on the phone like we do, um, you you miss that physical connection and that earth connection with the earth, but also with people as actually seeing the physical bodies. And it has just made my day to be able to go outside and see them there and say hi to them and talk to them for just a minute or two. It's like it totally shifts my day and does help me be more present. So even the connection with other people in the physical body can really help. Somebody actually asked me yesterday, what did I enjoy doing most? And I said, anything, I I love all everything that I do, but I like it most when I can actually be with them in the physical form. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, is it does seem to help bring me more present. I can be present doing it in other ways and working in other ways, but there's something about being outside, being around people, um, 
where you can see them in a physical form and uh, and you're there, that does strengthen a connection, I think. You know, it's interesting because I, I agree with you at one level and at another level, I think a lot about my business because I, I used to um, have a, a center in Boston and and I would see clients when you know, they'd come into my practice and I'd see them and I'd meet with my students. I'd teach on weekends. And now the majority of my business is online and remote. Mm -hmm. So I meet with my clients on either the phone or on uh, video technology. And I run remote sessions and I teach online and I meet with my students frequently but I've been thinking so much about how how grateful I am that that we have evolved our ability to be in in connection through technology, like the oh, technology is yeah. the conduit, of course, and yeah. and what I find about that is especially with with energy work like it's so location independent you know oh, we, we know enough about, <laughs> about the the physics of energy right the right some properties and so forth that in some ways i find that i'm more deeply connected when i work when i work remotely with people because there's no distraction at all and well, yeah it's a kind of a cool thing. I enjoy I enjoy helping practitioners learn how to work remotely and learn how to hold their focus in that way, um, because it does it does do some interesting things about expanding capacity and ability to to serve people who are interested. So oh, I definitely I think it's a, a both and I I love the face-to-face connection when it comes, but I'm just so grateful for what we've we've been able to accomplish with with technology and especially remote healing work. Oh, and, uh, uh, yeah. For me, it wasn't that I was negating that because I do love the fact that it can open it up. I love a lot of the things technology can do for us because you and I and would not be able to do this show without technology. We would have to be in the same room like we were talking before. There's a lot of things. You can make a lot of great connections with people through technology and you can enjoy it. And like you said, sometimes you can feel like you're even more present. However, for me, what I have found is when I can be with somebody in the physical form it's it's got a different energy they're just different yes they're very different yeah Yeah. I agree I totally agree yeah and uh, both of them are very valuable and very nice and I enjoy them Uh, how I I, it's just really nice when you can be like saying hi to your neighbor you know seeing them or being out in nature it just is a different sort of energy and it's just create something different and that's what it's really all about is what do you want to create in your life and what do you want in your life yes so I'm curious about that we started a little conversation on the break about how powerful simple methods are for healing and I'm just interested in more of your thoughts about that. I just, I, I, we both had sort of a, 
consensus opinion that simple is pretty powerful as a healing resource and things like tapping the thymus, opening the feet chakras, connecting to a tree. Those are simple things. How did you arrive at that place? Well, I arrived at that place because I've actually been noticing that over time. Uh, My first introduction to energy healing, well, I should actually say my second, uh, was a, is a process called resonance repatterning, which I really love. And on the surface, it is so simple that a lot of times people, when we would get done with a session, uh, in fact, I even had a person when I used to work in Utah, when I finished the session, said, is that all there is? He could not believe that he could shift his resonance with the, that particular issue he was working on so simply mm-hmm. and I said yes and he asked me about four or five more times I said well I can give you more stuff to do but it's not necessary and then he realized that that he had shifted the resonance that he had so I was really working with resonance rate patterning that helped me really notice and then really kind of looking back on things is that when it's really simple it's really effective. We just think we have to make it complicated. Like some people think they have to dress up it to a degree, tapping the thymus, that they have to do different than just tapping it. Oh, I have to add something to it to make it work. Just take a moment to be present and see, really, what is a simple? The, the, the simplest truth, I think, truth comes in simple. Mm-hmm. And... It That's was a great not- phrase. That is a great phrase. Truth <laughs> comes in simple. I love that. Well, thank you. <laughs> because that's what I've noticed. How about you? you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's, it is interesting how we can make our situations very, very complex. And when we start to want to heal and evolve and shift, when we can boil it down to, the, to, the, to the, what's most simple then we can make the move. The more complicated we make it, the harder it is to get out of the snare of whatever it is that we're in. And so I've I've been very curious over the years to see um, healing modalities get more and more and more and more complex. And yet I also know how simple congruence is. I know how simple it is to be grounded and present. I know how simple it is to um, to own your emotions in any given moment and then make a shift to another place. But we we don't until we understand how to break it down to something more simple, we tend to conflate. And uh, I, I sometimes will talk with clients and students about making yarn balls out of issues, you know, like a cat <laughs> I like that. They, and they just get it all snarled up and then they're trying to, they've conflated so many things together that they've, they've lost track of what the issue, the core issue is. And so I do a lot of, of encouraging people to look at the yarn ball they've created and see what they can do to, to tone it down and, and break it down to something simple and manageable. Oh, yes, because it's just human nature, I think, decides it has to be more complicated. I think that's part of the issue. So when you, uh, it's like 
people think they have to be so specific and name everything that's bugging them instead of playing with the possibility. Maybe they only have to shift one of those things to have the other ones shift too. Yeah. And sometimes things are enormously complex. Back in 2013, I closed down my office in Boston. I packed up from my life 20 years in Maine and I moved to the West Coast and I closed down my classroom-based school and I created an online curriculum. And every single piece of my life changed in 2013. So sometimes things, that is a big yarn ball. Let me tell you. But I learned in the process not to allow myself to think more than three days ahead of myself. So it wasn't about leaving the moment. It was about planning. And I didn't plan more than three days ahead from the time that I made the choice to close down the Boston office and make the move to the West Coast, no more than three days ahead. And what I, what that discipline helped me feel very solid and helped me step gradually towards each piece of the process so that I could make the move in an organized and anchored kind of way. And it was a very powerful experience. So we can break the complex down to the simple and own that ability to work through the simplicity. That can be an enormous gift to learn how to, how to be present in that kind of a way. I think it's a, just, it was one of the best lessons of my life. Oh, definitely, because that's what I'll tell a lot of people when they're really out in time, um, because they've got big things like that. It's like, yes, but what can you do today? Mm-hmm. You can't do all of that right now. Yeah. So I'm, what would be the best thing to do today? I love the phrase, what's the next right thing? Right. Yeah. I'd like that phrase. And I also, there's one from a- Access Consciousness, um, to, you know, choosing for, uh, I just went blank on it. We're realizing that everything is a choice. So what's the next best choice or what's the mm-hmm. choice to make right now mm-hmm. that will get me where I, I want to be? That's not really the question I was looking for. But it is to just start asking those questions is, okay, which one of the, like if you have two or three things that you could be doing to get ready for something complex, which is the, the, the right choice for right now, like kind mm-hmm. of like you said. Yeah, you know, the next right thing so that things can kind of fall in order instead of you being overwhelmed. And we're definitely coming up on a break and we will see you on the other side of two minutes. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. In the new book, The Lightness of Choosing You, international best-selling authors write about the journey to knowing self, trusting oneself, and making choices that alter reality as we know it. What happens when you choose fresh starting today? Marja has been featured as one of the contributors. She invites you to visit MarjaRR.com for a link to obtain your own copy of The Likeness of Choosing You. The book is also available through Amazon and other online bookstores and retailers. Pick up your copy and make new choices in alignment with you. 
Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories, resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Women's Channel. Have you left the cage that held you back but find yourself in the wild of your life wondering, what do I do now? I'm Dr. Lisa Cooney, and today I'm going to give you the tools to answer that question. Regardless of the issue, your choices of the past no longer need to haunt you. You have the power to change that and to create from a space of fun and ease. How different can your life be? Find out. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, noon Central, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are tuned in to Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. To reach the program today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now, back to Rediscovering the Magic of Being. And we're back. Now that you've learned some simple little things to help you be more present in your life and learn what being present in your life can mean. Now what? We're going to be exploring in this final segment about what can you do once you're present? What does it open up for you? And what are things that can help you through your day from there? So I'm going to let Jill take it from there and we will go with that. Well, you know, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about recently, because I, I work with this so much in my practice and with my students, is, is the difference between um, feeling other people's feelings, in other words, mm. join, joining them in their emotions, right. versus being a little bit more contained and being present for what those emotions are without taking them on and so that's one thing I, I think might be a useful discussion to have here because we there's so much information out there about being an empath and being a sensitive and being um, um, so plugged in to other people's experiences or groups of people's experiences that the person who is that plugged in often finds themselves disenfranchised. They get cut off from themselves. They have to limit their lives in pretty powerful ways. They can't be around groups. They can't, they can't do certain kinds of activities. And it's, to me, that is, is something that's fixable. And something that we could actually learn how to evolve our energy so that we show up in a way where people feel extraordinarily seen without having to join them. When, yes. 
when I talk about this a lot with practitioners who are really good at sensing into what their clients are experiencing and it's actually a source of burnout over time because I felt your pain and the next person's pain and the person after that times 40 clients or, you know, 50 clients or 60 clients a month, whatever the practice looked like. And, and over time, it's overwhelming and debilitating to the practitioner. And oh, definitely. When we learn how to reset our energy a little bit differently, we can be in compassion rather than in empathy. Sometimes we mush those two words together and we think they mean the same things. But in in my world, empathy is about feeling someone else's experience. And compassion is about being present for it while maintaining individuated awareness. Yes, and then I want to add something that a friend of mine brought to my attention uh, about two or three weeks ago, that empathy actually originated from end. So when you're in empathy, the energy ends in you. Yes. And so it doesn't go anywhere. And so you're taking on other people's emotions, you're taking on all of that, well, not really helping them. Yes. And yes. so then you're all out of sorts and not really realizing. So whenever you define yourself as an empath, you're actually defining that it ends in you. Yes. And and there's such a much better way. It's been so interesting to me to watch practitioners move out of the empathic structure and into the compassion structure and how much more space they have in their practice. They have room for more clients. They have room for more joy. They have room to help their clients shift more deeply because they're not in it with them. They're actually in a separate place and inviting a transition in their clients. Yes. And that's the That's the important part, and I know you've got some technique in this, but one of the things that people can do that's really simple until they they learn the techniques that you will be sharing is it's, it's as simple as, is this mine? Even asking yes. that question yes. can let it, it release from you. Yes. Or another question is, who does this belong to? Without trying to look for the answer, either one. But just seeing how you feel, because just in the moment of asking the question, a lot of stuff that's not yours will go away. Mm-hmm. And there's also a, a nuance on that question that I I like when it's me who's out of alignment. Whose energy am I using right now? Ooh, I like that. Right? I haven't heard that one. That's a great yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes it's about people have dumped stuff into us, and of course we've taken it on. And sometimes we're actually riding someone else's energy stream to affect something in our own lives. And that's not effective either. So what I love to, to teach people to do is to get anchored around the role of the second chakra. The second chakra is two fingers below the navel, and it's the seat of the emotions. And that's how, as empaths, we take on other people's stuff. We use our second chakra. Remember, I talked about the vegetable steamer and those petals. Well, we open up that second chakra 
really wide and we start vacuuming in other people's energy, emotions, information. Now we brought it into our field, we become aware of it and we can say, oh, Marja, you are angry or oh, Marja, your left elbow hurts. That's how we do it is by Mm -hmm. opening up that second chakra. If we can learn that second chakra is actually supposed to be about our own emotions, not everybody else's. So if we can learn to have that second chakra set more appropriately, around 25% open is a really good uh, milestone for that, for that second chakra. We then bring our awareness up to the compassion center, which is up in the place where we're tapping the thymus. It's that whole upper chest area is the compassion center. So when, Marja, when you were talking about, you know, tapping connects you to your heart, absolutely, because that whole upper chest area is the compassion center. I was reading something a couple of days ago about... Um, putting your hand over your second chakra. When you put your hand over your lower abdomen, it is often a defensive strategy. You're protecting something. But if I were to say something really touching to you that moved you deeply, you might take your hand and very spontaneously put it on your upper chest. You're not protecting anything when you do that. You're actually connecting into the emotional resonance that you're having about whatever it is that was said. So when we can start moving through the compassion center, we start really operating in our upper chakra awareness, which is way more sophisticated than the I feel your stuff of the second chakra. I actually like to frame the second chakra as the Mother Teresa chakra and the compassion center as the Dalai Lama center. Oh, I like that because that really helps you see that in uh, in real life. Yes, exactly. I used to say to my students all the time, I have two tickets for lunch meetings today. You can only have lunch with one person. You can either have lunch with Mother Teresa or you can have lunch with the Dalai Lama. What would you like? I have never had anybody choose having lunch with Mother Teresa over having lunch with the Dalai Lama. Now, that doesn't make Mother Teresa bad. No. It's just that we are resonating with the Dalai Lama energy in a very different kind of way. And it's inspiring and uplifting. And it's all up in those upper chakras. Well, that makes a lot of sense because when you ask that question, first of all, I wouldn't like to have that cho- have to make that choice, but it would be the Dalai Lama. Yeah. You know? uh, yeah. If I had to make the choice between the two. And, yeah, because when people are coming from compassion and uh, it's a different feeling than when they're taking it on themselves. It's almost like it's no different than where you're you're at, in a sense. Yes. Yes. And if you take it on and you join them, especially as a practitioner, if you merge with the client's emotions by taking it on and holding it, now there's no one in the room who's resourceful. (laughs) Right. And and the client has just been given permission to drop responsibility for their healing process. Because yes, now that, I'm holding it. Exactly. And this even applies if you're not working with clients and just in your own relationships, exactly. you've done the same thing. 
Exactly. You've taken it on from your partner, from the people you care about, and then they don't have any responsibility. And then the other thing that happens, I know this happened in my life a lot before I started realizing the difference and coming from the different space with every everybody in my life, is then they all expected me to fix it. Right. And then if it didn't get fixed, then it was my fault. Exactly. And exactly. when it wasn't mine to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, that's a that's that's a lousy deal, isn't it? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and that used to be so frustrating to me. But I did feel a responsibility because I did take it on, mm-hmm. you know. And right. so I even had that that weird expectation of me. And when you're coming more from the compassion, from um, letting things flow and working with it from that way, then you're more willing to tell people it's their choice or what do they want to do about it. And you're perfectly fine with it because you haven't taken it on. Exactly. And you're letting them know that they have choices to make and a responsibility for their own life. Because that is the problem when you take it on from other people and you've got that second chakra wide open is you expect yourself to fix it. And so does everybody else. Exactly. Is there something else you would like to add along that? Because I know we're coming up shortly on a close. I guess the uh, the other thing that, and I, I sort of tying it back to presence, you know, when we're taking on other people's stuff, we have lost our own selves in that process. Yes. And so if we really want to um be fully present in our lives then we have to allow other people the responsibility and the opportunity to take care of themselves and really take a look at what we are feeding when we take it on you know what what is it in ourselves that we are needing does it make us feel good to fix other people? Does it make us feel valuable or important in some kind of a way? And and what would it be like to let that go so that your importance comes from being who you are? Yes. And sometimes, too, I think I know in some people, and I think even some at times it, for me oh, in the past, um, it, it gave me value if I could fix something else for somebody. Yes, It was like I was searching for that value outside of me and uh, what I could accomplish. So if I could fix something for somebody else, then it made me a more valuable person, which is kind of, when you think about it, really bizarre. Yes. So we can have many different reasons. You can just start asking yourself questions like, what do you get out of this? What's keeping you stuck there? Mm -hmm. And what do you choose different? And there's all sorts of things that you can learn to shift your energy and to do. Jill has on her website some courses you can take. She offers a free one called The Power of Presence. I also, with the modalities and things I do, I can do them both over the phone, online, but also in person here. I work out of Enchanted Forest Reiki Center here in Las Vegas. And it's... To, to help you shift those things that you want to shift. With Jill's courses, not only could you take them, even if you don't want to be a practitioner, because there's some really helpful things for helping switch your energy and things like that. But also, if you wanted to become an energy healer, she has courses that could help you get there and become a practitioner. So I invite you to check her website out, which is energy 
healing. Energy. What is it again? I just went blank. <laughs> energy, <laughs> energyhealinginstitute.org. Yes, that's what I thought, but I for whatever reason. So anyway, <laughs> thank you. And thank you for listening to Rediscovering the Magic of Being today. I'm your host, Marja. Make sure to go to marjarr.com. You may email me at radio at marjarr.com or contact me on Facebook at Resonance Repatterning with Marja. My guest today has been Jill Lee. You may contact her at Jill at Energy Healing, Jill at energyhealinginstitute.org. Or also go to her website, like she just said. So anyway, for whatever reason, I think I was just in a different space. I could not remember that. But we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Rediscovering the Magic of Being. Please join your host, Marja, again next Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time and 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, start to live the life that you've always deserved to live.